Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God forever. Well, not only have I been out my first day out, it's my first day I get to talk to other people besides myself. And uh, where was Phyllis? Always somewhere else. And uh, so, praise, hallelujah. We have just seen lots of things happening, people growing and getting touched. And uh, we're going to continue along the lines that we started several weeks ago. If you'll go to Revelations with me, Revelations, the second chapter, and verse 18. We're going to get through this church, and then we just have a couple more, and then we're going to be through the church age of Revelations. Then we're going to start about the first of March, the first Wednesday night in March. We're going to talk about, and we're going to preach on the book of Revelations. And so I want to encourage you, just get people out. It, it's something that people never hear. Uh, you know, uh, Lincoln was, uh, the other day I took him to something, uh, uh, oh, five guys in a fry. And uh, him and Lexi and uh, Quentin, and we were there, and he came in. I was getting ready to get my teeth cleaned at the place next to him, whatever it was. And uh, so I said, uh, we went in there, and Lincoln said, man. He said, I walked in there, and everybody was following me. All of a sudden, turned around, nobody was there. He thought, oh, my God, the rapture's come. <laughs> so he came into the dentist's place, and it, was, it really was full. And he come in and said, my word, I thought the rapture had taken place. People looked around, and, and one lady behind the thing, she said, the rapture? I said, yeah, you believe in the rapture? She said, I've heard about the rapture. And uh, so, you know, sometimes we say stuff that we don't realize. Well, I'm going to be teaching on the book of Revelations and a lot of the things that we believe. People just, we never preach the book of Revelations, and it needs to be part of our life. Like Quentin said, it won't cause you to go to hell. It'll drive you away from it. And uh, so we're going to be doing that the first Wednesday in the month of March. We're going to start. We're going to have charts across the uh, stage here and be teaching it. So it's real applicable, real understandable, and you'll be able to share it with your friends. And if I get it, I know you can lock it down. Hallelujah. All right, Revelations 2, 18 through 29. And it says, unto the angel of the church in Tithyra, Tithyra, write, these things saith the Son of God, who hath eyes like unto a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know thy works, thy charity, thy service, and thy faith, thy patience and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. In other words, they perpetuated in the works that they did. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman, Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce servants to, and to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented 
not. Behold, I will cast her into the bed, into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into a great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the church shall know that I am he that searches the reins and the hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to his works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in the church, as many as have not this doctrine, which have not known the depths of Satan, as I as Satan as they speak, I will put upon them none other burden, but that which he hath already hold fast until I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works until the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as a vessel of a potter's shall, and they shall be broken to shivers even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. In this passage of Scripture, these seven churches, we understand in Acts, uh, the screen's not working today, right? Oh, it does? Well, I didn't see no words on there. Huh. All right. Let's go to uh, uh, Acts 19. Acts 19, 8 through 20. Acts, the 19th chapter. Now, these churches are seven churches that are established in the Asia area, Asia Minor. These are the churches that Paul was going to preach to, got disrupted in the middle, was led to Macedonia, but he came back and finished his mission to these Asian churches. And in this Asian, this area of Asia Minor, we see something very unique that takes place, it seemed like, in every generation. And it says, and he, Paul, went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. And when, but when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples disputing daily in the school of one Trinanus. And this continued by the space of two years so that all that were which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now let's go to 2 Timothy 1, 2 Timothy 1 and verse 15. Now, Paul preached the word of God, and every one of the people in Asia Minor heard this. Now, he recognizes they've heard the word. Now, what takes place, this is less than 40 years later, and it says, This thou knowest, and that all which were in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Herminius. So now we see that the churches in Asia have turned their back on Paul's teaching. They have disassociated themselves with the doctrine of the Lord Jesus. 
And so what we have here is an act of a gracious and merciful God. In this time, Jesus raises up John the Revelator. He raises him up as a watchman, as a seer, someone that can proclaim the future if a course of action prevails to be committed to. Or they have another course of action called repentance. So God, in these seven churches, unveils to you and I some very needed instruction and insight for our churches today. How many of you know that people are people? Amen. And so when he talks to these churches, the things that are, he's talking about the things that are always going to be. In other words, churches are always going to deal with certain struggles. They're going to face the same struggles, the same adversities, the same temptations, and they are going to have to persevere. They're going to have to make choices. They're going to have to withstand. They're going to have to resist immorality, false teachings, and so forth that cause them to be separated from God. Every church is going to go through a period of this in their life as every believer does. But Jesus warns us that if you don't respond the way that he asks you, then death is going to be to your end and he shows you the outcome of our disobedience or our failed faith. So just as the church back then needed consistent faithfulness it can it needed passion it needed a love and service for the kingdom it was ordered or called to repentance in order to become involved in the work of the kingdom and not fall into a passive nature which is the nature that the devil wants the church to identify with we are not just to be here to be some type of symbolism. We're here to be a living organism for Jesus Christ. Could I get an amen? And so we have to understand that we have to stay involved. We have to make sure that we protect ourselves. We have to make sure that we are always continuing to perfect holiness and purity. These churches are a blueprint of what's going to happen to churches that do not follow Jesus and follow him not only through the good times but through the bad times, through the times that they're right and to adhere to his rebuke in the times that they are wrong. Could have get an amen. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to Hebrews, the 12th chapter because it seems like Jesus is nitpicking you know, you've done all these things, but nevertheless. Like, man, can't you overlook a few things? It's not like we're God. Come on, remember, Jesus knows we're only human. How many times you've heard that lie? Which we are human, but we are recreated. And old things are passed away, and behold, all things are new. Now, when Jesus corrects the church, here's what Jesus is doing and his motivation Hebrews 12, ooh, let me see what verse, 12, 5, and it says this, and ye have forgotten the exhortation 
which speaketh unto you as unto children. Now, my son, despise thou not the chastening, the correction, or the instruction of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Now, in other words, these things are going to happen. And it says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Notice the motivation of Jesus. Not to be critical, but he will not allow you to be ignorant of your sins and to be blinded by your transgressions. He will not allow you to be led to slaughter without a justified opportunity of repentance. So the motivation of what Jesus is doing through John the Apostle, John the Revelator, John the Watchman, the Seer, he's doing this. He's really operating in a place of real love. See, we think sometimes, well, love covers a multitude of sins. Well, absolutely it does. But it never, ever denies that sin. And it never condones that sin. Could it get an amen? Yes, it will cover it. It'll bring it to a point that it can be covered with blood. Yes, it will cover it, that it will not repeat it to other people. Yes, he'll cover it so that you don't show someone's nakedness and their shame to other people. And so we understand those things, but love never denies or uh, justifies sin in a believer's life. Amen. And then it says in this, uh, verse 7, if ye enduring ch endure chastising, God deal with you as with a son, for what son is whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us as we gave them reverence. We Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days uh, chasten us, us after their own pleasure. In other words, when our fathers on earth correct us, they're correcting us based on what they want us to do and be at the end of their life. That's why they correct us. But, but for their own profit, that we might be partakers of his Holiness, but the Father perfects us so that we might profit, that we might be partakers of His holiness. So, what's God dealing with? Unholy things. Amen. And then it says this Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight the paths for your feet. Let least that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let, rather let it be healed. Now, what is God telling us? The whole reason that Jesus give, takes access to look upon your life, the reason is not to harm you. It's not to keep you from enjoying life. It's not to keep you from experience life that you think that you need. 
It's so that you are not dominated, deceived, and led into the place that you are taken into the depths of Satan's dwelling or that which you think has made you free ultimately becomes the shackles of your imprisonment. So God wants to chasten us. It is an act of love. It's not condemnation. I hear people, oh, I just feel condemned when I go to church. Now, I wouldn't say this to you, but there was a man that preached in our church said, why don't you be quiet, go get a ladder and get over it. Listen, if you are so easily condemned that you cannot rise above where you are, then you are in a wrong place. Could I get an amen? If everybody has to walk on eggshells around you to appease your fragile condition, you need to grow up and endure hardness as a soldier because rebuke and chastisement are a way of the Christian life because it is the way that God perfects or brings holiness to its full fruition. Could I get an amen? Listen, we can, God could leave us to ourselves, but thank God he doesn't. He chastens us. So God is chastening men and women. And then we find out here that there are many people that when God starts chastening them, they get discouraged, they get condemned, they get down to the place, oh man, oh man, I see, I have this in my life. And oh, you know, I don't feel comfortable about this. I can't get away from this uh, condemned feeling. Well, it might not be condemnation, it might be conviction. It might mean that God has watched over and been merciful for a time, but now the seed is at a time that it must be dealt with or it's going to begin to reproduce itself and you're going to be overtaken and you're going to become conquered and you're not going to be an overcomer. Hallelujah. Now, we all have a place to play in this apart, as it were. And sometimes people just don't respond to a father's loving touch. Remember, God's not trying to keep you away from enjoying life. He's trying to keep you from the devil stealing life and you living in death. Amen. And then it, it really be, goes on to tell us that we ought to be pleased because the end result is that we have circumcised or sanctified ourselves from all unrighteousness. Now the result happens in the chastisement. One produces sonship, the other produces bastardship. Well, what's a bastard? Someone that has no father. So God says, look, I gave her the opportunity to repent. She repented not. When she did not repent, she became a bastard child of Satan. So now we see by choice, not the devil's choice, not God's choice, the choice of every individual believer to repent or not to repent, to break fatherhood with God to break sonship with the Father and to go back to the streets to live under the curse of a bastard child. 
Now that is your outcome. If God unveils to you sin, he is being long-suffering. Listen, you didn't commit that sin yesterday. It wasn't in your heart yesterday. Your soul had not been ready to live in that or to carry it out just yesterday. But you may have been dull to God. But when God comes to you face to face as he is with the churches here in Revelation, it is time for you to repent and find a place of brokenness. If not, God will declare over you, you're a bastard and Ichabod will be your children. Well, I don't like that. I really can't help it. Because God is trying to get your attention. Without the rebuke, without the chastisement, everybody in Jezebel's teachings and doctrines and followings would all be damned. But God in his mercy and grace speaks to her and says, Jezebel, everything you've done, I'll forgive you for, but turn from it now. And she, like so many believing Christians, do not repent of their transgressions. Now let's go to Ezekiel 14, 6 through 8. Let's just see what happens to it. Ezekiel 14, 6 through 8. And it says, Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent, turn yourself from your idols, turn away your face from all your abominations, and every one of the house of Israel, of the stranger that sojourneth in Israel, which separateth himself from me. Notice, that separateth himself. This is a result of refusal to repent. You separate yourself. Somebody said, well, nobody can pluck me out of the Father's hand. No, but stupid, you can jump out of it. I'm sorry, it's the medication Phyllis gave me. And it says it. And it says it. Separateth himself from me and setteth up his idols in his heart, putteth the stumbling block of iniquity before his faith and cometh to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me, I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. Nick Burke. And I will set my face against him, that man, and will make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people, and ye shall know that I am the Lord God. In other words, when a man refuses to repent, he disconnects himself from God and God says, you'll not disconnect me under the disguise of nobody knowing it, but people will know that I have honored your choice to separate from me and I will allow the curse to come upon your life. You will become a sign and a proverb of what the backslider does in their life and their inheritance for their disobedience. Now let's go to Ezekiel 18, 30. Ezekiel 18, 30 through 32. 
Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from all yours. You turn, they're your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Next verse. Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? And I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live. God gives every sinner and every sinning Christian a believer, an opportunity to turn from his ways and to be reunited with God and a new heart established. Amen? Now let's go to Luke 13, 1 through 5. And a refusal to repent brings a believer to a sinner's end. And there were present at that season some that told him of the Galilean whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Oh, it's not that bad, sweetheart. It's just a little while. It's just a little while. All right. And Jesus answering said unto them, suppose, you, suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things. I tell you, nay, what's this? But except you repent, ye shall likewise perish. Of those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now Jesus is talking to people that are seeking God's will. And he says this, you have seen the terrible end of men that openly sinned against God. You think that their death was horrific because of their transgression? Your transgressions will bring you to the same end. Now that's pretty tragic for a person that's been washed in the blood, amen, cleansed from his uh, iniquities and then brought into relationship with God, but because of his pride or his desire to experience the pleasure of sin for a season or to the satisfying of his flesh for a moment, for a morsel of bread, he like Esau sells out his covenant and he becomes a bastard to the inheritance that God has offered him. Now, what happens to these believers? Let's go to Revelations. Uh, no, wait, wait, let's, before we do that, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 3. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through, I said 3, but let's go to 5. It is reported commonly. Somebody say commonly. In other words, this sin has become so acceptable that it's becoming as common as worship. 
is in the house of God. That there is fornication among you. And such fornication that is not so much as named among the Gentiles. That one should have his father's wife. Not his mother, his father's wife. His father has divorced or his mother has died. He's married another woman. The father has found some fault or whatever. And she divorces his father and he marries her. That's a no-no. That's a no-no. You can't do that. Thank you. You can't do that. All right. And it says this. Ye are puffed up. You have not rather mourned or repented, been under conviction that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done, hath so done this deed. And that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we, ye are gathered together, when ye are gathered together with my spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Paul tells us this, that there are sins and transgressions that man does that separates himself from God. The reason that God treats a man that refuses to be disciplined, rebuked, chastened, is and treats him like a bastard is that he again is awakened to his state that Satan has dominion over his life. And if he will repent, he can, as in his previous repentance, be brought out from under that dominion and reunited with God. Now God's telling the church, put him away. Now why does God withdraw from sinners? So that they can experience the reproach the brokenness, the emptiness of sin that lots of people that refuse to repent have forgotten the severity of transgressions in a person's life. And they think the long-suffering of God is the condolence of God. God does not condone what you're doing. What he's trying to do is be merciful to you. Don't misread what God is doing. You say, but I'm doing that. Nothing's happening in my life. Honey, it will come crashing down on you. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Revelations. I think it's, uh, gosh, I forget the passage of scripture that I'm trying to go through. Let's go to uh, I think it's 7. Revelation 7 in verse 22. What happens to these people that refuse to repent? Oh, I'm sorry. Revelation 7. Oh, gosh. I wrote this on medication. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. All right, let's, let's, do, uh, let's do this. We'll go a different way. Let's go to Matthew 24, 15 through 31. 
Now remember, I'm talking to you right now about people that don't repent. The transgressor, the believer that refuses the rebuke of the Lord. Now watch this. It says, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of the desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet. Now let's stop right there. How can a believing Christian see the abomination of the desolation because the church has already been raptured. What happens is this. Those that have not repented do not go in the rapture. So then what happens is they are here during the great tribulation. And that means tribulation that has never ever been unveiled written in other words it's beyond man's comprehension of what is going to take place during this time but it says but when ye shall see the abomination of the desolation spoken by daniel the prophet stand in the holy place whoso readeth let him understand next verse then let them which be in judea flee unto the mountains and let him that is on the housetop uh, not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field turn back to take his clothes. But woe to them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. And pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then, sh for then shall be great tribulation such as never, not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Remember, this is going to be worse than the Noah flood. This is going to be worse than any type of judgment that has ever been poured out on any nation. Then it says this, and except these days be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if a man shall say un, unto you, Lo, here is Christ, and there believe it not. For there shall be arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Now this is a warning. It, go to the next verse. Wherefore, if they say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. Now, what is God trying to tell us here? He's trying to tell us, For as, as a lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even into the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. He's trying to tell us, I've told you before, you have not paid attention if you don't, this doesn't happen, you are going to end up in the great tribulation. Now, next verse. For whereso the carcass is there, will the eagles be gathered. Now, what happens to the believer that does not repent? He is a bastard. He has no child rights. He is not a part of the family of God anymore. He has denounced God as his father because of his disobedience. Now, a person that doesn't repent 
has full understanding of what is taking place. He knows that what he's doing is wrong, but he chooses to do it. Not the devil's choice, not God's choice. It's our choice. And then this is going to end up that we are going to be separated and cast into the great tribulation. And then let's go to Revelation 7, 13 to 14. Finally, I got that right. Revelation 7, 13 to 14. And one of the elders answered and said unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? Whence came they? Now, why does he ask? Where have they come from? Because John understands that the church is there because of the rapture. So he wants to know why these people are not with the church. They've got white robes. Where did they come from? And the angel says, out of the great tribulation. And I said in him, sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, these are they which come out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Now, I want you to get this picture. If a, non, if a believer refuses to repent as the church here, Jezebel and all of her followers of her fornication, of her eating of sacrifices offered to idol and her false doctrines, what's going to happen is that when she refuses repentance, God makes a guarantee of her outcome. I will, if you go to Revelation, the second chapter, quickly so I can try to get, get as much of this as I possibly can today. My voice would work, I'd be five chapters ahead. Now, let's look down in uh, verse 21. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation. Where are these people? They are in the church. But they're going to miss the rapture. These are the people that John says, well, who are they? They should be with the church. No, these were those that did not repent. And then it goes on to say in a, Verse uh, 22, and I will cast her in her bed, and those that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent. In other words, you can stop this action. And I will kill her children. What does that mean? God simply means, and I will separate myself from her, and sin shall be dominant over her. The wages of sin is what? death and it says and the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and the heart according to the word of God so notice what he says I'm going to throw them into tribulation why their lack of repentance listen I'm telling you friend if you know you have sin in your life oh listen you may have your euphoric moments even thinking of an affair 
or thinking of an encounter. That is idolatry out of the human heart, of the human mind. And God says, I'm telling you that these types of people will not be caught up in the church. This is the uh, story of the 10 virgins. Five get to go. Five did not repent and fill their lamps. And they were left behind. Where are they going to go? Through great tribulation. But they'll want to go in the, in the rapture. But Jesus says, you can't come in. Could he get an amen? Now, these people are thrust into great tribulation. I will dare say this. I used to think when I was a sinner, I can make it through tribulation. I used to pray every night. God, now if I die before I sleep, take me to heaven. Then I found out that every sinner goes to heaven to the great white throne judgment. So I said, I'll catch you. I said, I'll tell you what, God, take me to heaven and keep me there. And then Phyllis came up with this great scripture, John 9, 31. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. I thought, well, there is no, you can't even get in this place unless you go the way he wants you to go. Yeah, well, I thought, well, I could withstand it. Really? If you can't withstand temptation now, how are you going to stand it when the pressure is really on, brother? And for those of you that get angry and cuss and throw a fit, what are you going to do when you really get under pressure? Well, my wife just pushes the wrong buttons. Dummy, short circuit the buttons. Do you understand? Hell, great tribute. Do you know at one point when we're going to discover a third of humanity is killed? A third. You know what this place is going to smell like? Disease will be everywhere. People will be afflicted and infirmed with diseases. There'll be no end, but, but I'll go to the doctor. If you have a mark on your forehead or your hand, you can go to the doctor. But if you don't, you don't get to go to the doctor. You can't buy or sell food. You're going to be hungry. You're going to be starving. You're going to be sick. You're going to be oppressed. And you can't live for Jesus now? I preadventure, I will not see you under the throne of God. Jesus said, for this reason, many are sick because they never judge themselves. And if you don't judge yourself, you're going to be judged with the world. Now, Jesus tells us, look, I'm chastening you because I love you. But if you, dis if you re don't respond to me, guess what? I'll grant you bastardship. And you can die in your sins. And let me tell you where I'm going to end you up. Now, does anybody know why the great tribulation comes? Well, God's just, just mad at everybody. No, no. The Bible says that through this great tribulation and all these horrific things, that God is really showing the penalty of transgression. Sin's wages are death. 
Sin's wages reap the wrath of God. God is pouring out his wrath. Oh, that's because he hates everybody. No, 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 no. But these repented not, though all these wonders and signs and great anguish came upon them. They wouldn't repent. The whole purpose of the great tribulation is the same purpose that Paul did by the direction of the Holy Ghost in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Put him out that he will discover and experience the power of the devil's plan over his life. Hopefully, he will understand my mercy and he will repent and I will receive him to myself. The great tribulation is a time Yes, the wrath of God is being poured out against all the ungodly, but repentance is here for anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord. It's not a time that God hates us. It's a time that he is using their own inheritance of being the children of the devil, bastards that have known the goodness of God and left the house and have not returned. That's pretty tough. Amen? Pretty tough. Hallelujah. So let's not end up in great tribulation. Say, oh, but I just, I, I just love doing, I just love sin. Oh, friend, please. No, hallelujah. You don't love sin, you're just stupid. It's that medication, I'm telling you. But say, I don't, I don't like you saying stupid. I, I know it is. It's the medication. Philip gave me some cough medicine with codeine. I read on it after I drank about a third of the bottle, one teaspoon. I tipped the bottle up and I sat on Eric's desk. I said, whoops. I was only supposed to have a little bit. Really? So right now, you look like grasshoppers. <laughs> Except for David, he's trying to intimidate me. He's buck naked. I, I, I'm, I'm just... Hallelujah, yeah, praise God. Woo, Jesus, hallelujah. All right, now let's go to another passage of Scripture. We'll want to quickly wrap, wrap up. Acts, the 15th chapter and verse 20. Acts 15, 20. And it says this, but they write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. Now, the reason Paul does this, he goes to James. Some people say, well, Peter was the first pastor absolutely wrong James was the pastor and he was the one that set doctrine and teachings and that's why Peter and John and Barnabas went up and laid out what they had taught because James made the call not Peter but I've heard all my life that's why we have the Bible amazing yeah we get to read the Bible hallelujah so now let's look at verse 29 act 15 29 
that ye abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. Notice that the things offered to idols are just as much sinful in their nature as things from fornication. And from which ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well, fare ye well. One more passage of scripture. Let's go to Acts 21, 25. This again is talking about abstaining from meats, sacrificed to idols. As touching the Gentiles, which believe, we have written and concluded that they observe no such thing, save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, from strangled, and from fornication. Only four commands to the Gentile church in their infancy. I want to talk to you about the sin of Jezebel that they ate, sacrifice, ate of the things sacrificed to idols. What does that have to do with us going to heaven? It really has to do with association. Association. We were forbidden to eat of the meats offered to idols. Why? Because it was as if when we did it, we condoned or joined ourselves to the doctrine of idol worship or doctrine that put us in connection with God. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 14 through 22. 1 Corinthians 10, 14 through 22. So when it talks about stay away from things offered to idols, it means association. Do not associate. Don't let people see you associating with and don't make it a habit of associating with. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ and the bread which we break? What is the bread and the uh, blood? They are the teaching of our redemption in Christ. And when we partake of it, we are showing our faith in it till he comes. And then it says this, the bread which we break. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread, but one body and one body, for we're all partakers of that one bread. Notice the unity, the partaking of it. Behold Israel after the flesh, are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What say I then, that the idol is anything or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship. Notice fellowship, partakers with devils. Ye, can, ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. 
Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than him? When it talks about partaking of the sacrifices offered to idols, it simply meant that we were honoring and submitting to. It means that we have bowed our knee at their altars. So this has to do with association and that Christians are commanded. Do you know that God is not God to everybody? In 2 Corinthians 6, 14, come out from among the unclean thing. Come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you unto myself and I will be your God. Your God. If we associate with ungodly things that have to do with unacceptable lifestyles, I, I see a ticker tape of your friends going through your mind and they should be going through your mind and you ought to have enough courage and enough guts to tell them why you're not going to associate with them anymore. Then it says, come out from among them. You'll be my people and I'll be your God. In other words, bad associations will cause you to not experience God in your life. Why? Because it's unholy. Now, don't come out from among the world. Oh, I don't want to have any worldly friends. You better stick with some of them because you don't have many Christian friends. I'm just telling you, you're not likable. You're mean, you're critical, you're judgmental, you're over-spiritual, you're everything except what you should be. Chill out. Amen. Just chill out. I know some people say, I just want to be so spiritual. Come on. Stop. You be spiritual and you live by faith and you war, you walk holy and righteous, but you're in this world to win the world. To win the world. Not, not, not to, to reject the world. Quit condemning the world. The world is doing what they know to do. They're sinners. And for us to rail on somebody that's committing fornication, wag our finger from our pulpit. Well, I'll tell you, that guy, he's the devil. He was, oh, Jiminy, you look like an idiot. And you're driving the world away from you. Amen. You know, we, we rail on homosexuals and lesbians, and then we say, but you know what? Come if you need a healing touch. No, look, sinning homosexuals or lesbians is no worse than a liar, a conniver, a deceiver, a covenant breaker. They're no different. Why do you want to hack off on them? Why don't you start hacking off on the people that cheat on their taxes? Oh, I'm sorry. You're one of them. Well, uh, uh, no, listen, there's plenty of sin to go around. And it's all wrong. Now, uh, Lord, I look like a little uh, level. <laughs> Good night. There I am, right there. Yeah, yeah, right there is good. All right, hallelujah. Now, 
Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Why'd you do that? I was kind of getting bored. Hallelujah. You guys weren't laughing or anything. All right, now, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Watch these words. Watch them. Did you see him go over there? First Corinthians fifteen three three. There. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Or the good life that represents Christ. Now, you run around with ungodly people. I'm not talking about sinners. You know they're ungodly. You run around with ungodly Christians. It's going to taint you. Remember, Paul said, get that guy out of the church. Now, out of the church, out of the church, because a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. It'll affect the whole assembly when people sin. Listen to me, if you're sinning, please stop. I am struggling against the devil as much as I want to struggle. I may be fighting battles that are not mine, but they're a result of your sin. Please stop. Don't put a stumbling block before me. Please, I need for you to live right that we can finish our course and accomplish our mission. Mission. Amen. We need one another. Now, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 17. Now, remember, we're talking about a law of association, and we know that Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron. And so we want to make sure that each person, we have, they have an influence on them. Let's make sure we're running around with the right people. And ye and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised. No, no, no. 1 Corinthians 6. Go. Believe it or not, I was reading the Bible today and I opened it up and it goes from Romans 16 to 1 Corinthians 14. The whole book of 1 Corinthians is gone. We talked about submission, husbands, wives, you know, wives submit. I, then I found, I found it in the trash under the table. Now, and it says, no, it really wasn't in there. They, they forgot to put it in there. Uh, know ye not, your bodies are the members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot. God forbid. Next verse. What? Know ye not that he which joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Now what did it say? Do you know that you can take the tabernacle of God, join it or associate it with somebody else? They may not know your story. They may not know everything. But if they see you in a beer joint with a buddy just so you could fellowship with him, you know what? They consider you a sinner. And you've joined yourself to him and they'll see you as a harlot 
and a hypocrite. I remember years ago, uh, I don't think this church is still in existence, but if it is, it shouldn't be. It was a church that rented a bar on uh, Saturday nights or Sunday mornings. And uh, what they did, they just left the bar there and they had church there. And they said, well, we wanted to make it socially acceptable that people wouldn't feel that they were separated from the kingdom of God. And then we get them there and we, we preach Christ to them. You mean to tell me you can't win anybody to Jesus except you are in their habitat? Give me a break. That's not true at all. You preach the gospel. How can they believe by you preaching? That's what will bring them to Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. And then let's go to... Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 11. And then we're going to maybe. Well, I hope that bubble don't get no bigger. And it says, now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourself from every sinner. Every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which ye have received of us. That word tradition simply means doctrine or teachings. And it says, for, for yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we have behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. You know, there are Christians that think they're fine because of the acceptance of the house of faith. And if we do not call them into accountability, then they're going to be lost. Friend, do your friend a favor. Rebuke them. Rebuke them. Don't be critical of them. And don't try to make them what you want them to be, but legitimately love them and rebuke them for the wrong that they're doing. And if they aren't, praise God, you've got a great friend. Or maybe they're blinded. In our house, we have three worlds. We have the kingdom of God. Well, we have four worlds. We have the kingdom of God. We have the kingdom of darkness. We have the world that we live in. Then we have Phyllis's world. <laughs> Bizarro world. No rules or laws apply. As long as her world dominates, she's a happy camper. Amen. <laughs> See, that's just like that thing that we're dealing with that lady in the scripture. She's not afraid. Now, so I want to encourage you, please, Let's look at who we're running around with, what we're doing. Put distance between us. Not that we don't love him, not that we treat him like a brother, but understand there's a work that needs to be done by God because they've refused chastisement. And then we have to make sure that you and I as Christians 
repent. Woe the love of God in our lives that no matter what we've done, we could repent and turn and God would receive us to ourself. I don't want to be a bastard child. I want to be a child of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's stand our feet and lift our hands up towards heaven. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, God, let us put off our robes of whoredomism. Let us put off, God, the things that are unsatisfying you. Let us clean our tables, God, that, God, our associations are with those that walk for Christ. God, help us, yes, to reach out to those that have missed the mark. But God, not to the point that there is disputing that what they're doing is right. And the gospel and the word and doctrine that is to godliness is wrong. Help us, God, rightfully divide and balance this in our life. That God, we don't get extreme. That we don't get foolish. We don't hurt that we don't destroy but God help us let holiness be perfected in us let our associations glorify God God let our works be pleasing with you and God let us have a repentant heart that is softened and available and responded to your correction. How you love us and chasten us only to profit us, to help us. Thank you, Father. Now, if you're here today, please listen to me. If you have been a non-repentant believer, you're a backslider. God doesn't want you to wait for the great tribulation. He says today is the day of salvation. If it's pricked your heart, maybe you're so mad you could bite nails and, and then and eat my head off. I, I don't care. But if you know that you're not ready, I want you to get prepared to come home. To come home established sonship if you're here today you're a sinner you've never known God you've never asked him into your heart you just know that you're not saved Jesus is not Lord of your life you're not a Christian you just do what you want to do and you enjoy it and everything's to be working out friend today is the day of salvation Jesus knocking on your heart hero sinner what the Lord would say unto you. Believe in your heart. Call upon me. And thou shalt be saved. 
believe on him whom the Father hath sent. You believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, thou shalt be saved. You're here today in either one of those classes. You're a backslider or you're a sinner. We're going to sing this song. Let's, let's, uh, can, can you sing that revival song you sung? Can you do that for me? That, okay, there you go. Now while they're singing that, backsliders and sinners, get out of your seat. Please come down here. I want to pray prayer with you. I want to bless you. If you're here today, you're a sinner. You're here today, you're a backslider. Right now, today. They're coming wherever you are right now. They're coming wherever you are right now. You're a sinner. You're here today, you're a backslider. Here comes another. Where are you? Don't miss this moment of mercy. Don't miss this time of grace. Here comes another one. Come on, wherever you are in this place, you are a sinner. You're a sinner. You've never known right. If you're a backslider, today is your day. Come on, wherever you are, come out of your seat. Wherever you are, this is a moment between you and God. Doesn't involve anybody else. You and God. Meet Him right here. Meet him right here. Any backslider, sinner, wherever you are, let's meet him right here. Wherever he is, come on. Come on, wherever you are. Comes another one, wherever you are. Wherever you are, you might not think it's important. This is extremely, this is the gospel in motion. Hallelujah. Anyone else? Another one, there's, there's one, one more person. Listen, God is tugging at your heart. Come on, God is tugging at your heart. Today is the day. Right now, today is the day, not tomorrow, not next time, not next some Sunday. You aren't promised that. Today is the day of salvation. Come on, wherever you are. One more. I know that you're here. Come, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, everybody, stretch forth your hands here. Let's join our faith together across this place. Everybody pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of every transgression, every act of disobedience, every act of hardness of heart. God, when I've resisted your call, I ask you, Father, to forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he shed his blood for my transgressions. And I believe he died on Calvary for my sins. Now, Jesus, I announce you as Lord of my life, for you are the resurrected Son of God. I denounce every hidden work of darkness. 
it's broken over me. I will not be manipulated by the devil. I am washed in the blood. I've been purchased by God. And him will I serve. And him will I follow. Now God, this day forward, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven as if it's never happened. I receive absolution from my brothers and sisters in this household of faith and from you, Father, in Jesus' name. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I thank you, Father. Amen and amen. Praise God. Now, God, bless these men. Bless these men and women. Oh, God, bless them. Let the power of supernatural God, supernatural, perpetual, ongoing, right now increasing revelation and knowledge of you, God, of your will, God of your ways, God of faith in their life. God, let holiness rise up. Be strong, God, and keep them. God, let them be sensitive to your voice that, God, they will walk the path. Let their steps be ordered of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, young man. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Thank you, young Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody give Jesus a round of applause. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. Wednesday night we'll be teaching on one more 